to you. Great Friday. Beautiful Friday. Bill's up north today. A little bit of an early weekend. He's up at Four Seasons Lodge. I was up north last weekend. Bill and I, we're, we're kind of trendsetters. You know, we're always following each other's lead. I was up uh, on the northwest side of the state last weekend. Bill at the Four Seasons in Pembine, a little bit farther to the east. So I am jealous. But very happy to be here filling in for Bill. And I'm, I'm very thrilled with Bill. He allows me, uh, trust me, to handle his show for a day. Uh, especially today, we're actually having a football game to preview. Unlike the last couple weeks when the Packers have been on Thursday night, They've been on Monday night or they've been on bye. We actually have a Sunday Packer game to talk about and to look forward to. Mike Clemens going to join us in the last hour of the show to get us the latest. So injury designations, uh, Friday comments from coaches and players as they get ready to travel out to Denver. Traveling in Matt LaFleur. And something that maybe we undersold and we didn't talk about enough the last two weeks is the altitude. It's like, oh man, Matt LaFleur doesn't like traveling abroad. He doesn't like changing time zones. What about changing altitudes? Maybe that's been a little underserved and under-talked about because Matt LaFleur tends to find issue with those little things like altitude. And I know that uh, the Packers beat was asking Rich Bisacci the other day. It's like, well, punting and kicking and, you know, how, how do you do it with the thin air? So it's been a topic that has come up in press conferences. Maybe we should have worried a little bit more about Matt LaFleur traveling uh, to a higher altitude. It's something that he typically struggles with or something that he would struggle with. So we'll talk about all that. With Mike Clements, he'll join us in the last hour of the show. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post, going to be here. Uh, we're going to talk to Tyler Dunn. Go long. He joins the show every Friday at 1130. I checked in with him. I said, hey, Bill's not here, but I'd still love to have you. And he said, hell yeah, come on. Sweet. Awesome. So Tyler Dunn, go long TD. He used to be on the Packers beat at the Journal Sentinel and Bleacher Report. Tyler Dunn will be here uh, in a little bit over an hour. He'll be here at 1130. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said Podcast, and Pack-A-Day part of the Andy Herman cohort of Packers Twitter and Packers Media. She'll join us at 11. So a lot of fun guests to talk to, a lot of good Packers conversation to have. I want to talk about the Bucks and Terry Stotts. Terry Stotts Gate is what it's turned into. I think it's been a little overblown. But an interesting story, an unexpected story nonetheless. I want to get to that in just a little bit. But I want to start with last night. I want to talk about the baseball game last night, uh, the NLCS specifically, Phillies at Diamondbacks Game 3, And then I want to talk a little bit about Thursday night football as well. But let's start with baseball because that was on earlier on in the evening. That was on during my show last night from four to six. And then I went home, caught the end of the baseball game and switched over to football. The Saints and the Jags. Very weird game made even weirder by the fact that it was Thursday night and on Amazon. So we'll get to that game in a minute. But I want to start with the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. I, as a Brewers fan, spend most of this postseason watching the Diamondbacks or the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Astros, the Braves the Twins, the Rangers. I sit back and I watch all these games, and I really have enjoyed this postseason. I've been a lot more in tune with baseball nationally this season than I have been in years past, and I think that's a couple different reasons. The balanced schedule certainly helped this year, made for some more interesting storylines with different characters, different players, and different teams matching up against our Brewers. I think the rule changes helped. Watching a Brewer game this year didn't feel like such an undertaking, didn't feel like such a a massive project. It's like, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch the Brewers tonight. And the game might take two and a half hours, felt pretty quick. And if the game wasn't an exciting one, if there wasn't a lot of action, if there wasn't a lot of offense, then the games this year felt abbreviated. Let's simulate a little bit quicker towards the end. So I like that. Uh, And there were other teams involved, like the Diamondbacks and like the Orioles, like the Mariners and the Reds, even in the Pirates, you know, had a, a couple hot months to begin the season. So more interested in baseball nationally this year. And I don't think I'm the only one. I want to talk about the Phillies and the Diamondbacks. And I couldn't help but think of our Brewers last night watching this game. Every postseason game I watch, I think of 
the Brewers. And I, it's like that scene from Breaking Bad when Jesse and, and Walt are standing outside the laundry and, and Walt goes, no, no, no. This is all about me. This is all about me. That's how I feel watching Phillies Diamondbacks. It's like, how does this relate to the Brewers? A total Brewers win for the Diamondbacks last night and a total Phillies loss last night. I tweeted this at Wisco Grant. It's a classic Brewers loss. The Phillies got a great start from their starting pitcher. Their offense completely and totally no-showed. And their big-name closer, or a big-name closer, Craig Kimbrell, blew it at the end of the game. It's like, how many times have we seen the Brewers do that? From 2018, 2019, when Josh Hader blew the save, 2021, when Josh Hader blew it against the Braves. And then this year, Devin Williams didn't blow it, but he had the ball in a, what was it, a 1-1 situation or a 2-1 situation in game one. Gave up a bunch of runs. Classic Brewers loss by the Phillies last night. Classic, classic, classic Brewers loss. And the Diamondbacks with a classic Brewers win. It felt very unlikely. It felt uh, very unrepeatable. Uh, and it felt very lucky. Anytime the Brewers have won a postseason game in the last couple of years, and they've only won one, it was game one against the Braves. And they won game one against the Braves, what was it, three to two or two to one? can't remember the exact score. I think it might have been 2-1. to one. And that was the game. Rowdy Telez hit a two-run bomb. Corbin Burns gave us a pretty good start. Adrian Hauser somehow was trusted to pitch the seventh and the eighth. He was the pitcher of record in that game. And then Josh Hader closed it down, which felt like a little bit of a miracle. Last night's win for the Diamondbacks felt like a little bit of a miracle. So I think if we fast forward to the end of this series and go into the World Series, I think the Phillies advance. We're going to look back at this game thinking, well, you know, even a, even a blind squirrel finds a nut twice a day. Right, The Diamondbacks were able to win. Uh, a fast pitch is how the Phillies scored. It was very fluky. It was very unlikely. And it feels very unrepeatable for Arizona. Which is how I felt about the Brewers and their playoff wins. And wins, I should just say. And their playoff win because they are 1-9 since, what, game six of the NLCS against the Dodgers in 2018. So a very Brewers baseball game last night. It was nice because the Brewers have been eliminated for a couple of weeks. It was nice to experience that vicariously through another team. So Philly still leads that series two to one. It still feels very much like the Phillies are going to win. Um, last night did not feel like a loss that was the beginning of something for Arizona. Again, it felt like game one of the Brewers beating the Braves in 2021. We had a two run home run, outstanding pitching felt very lucky that the Brewers held on to win that game. And the Diamondbacks seem very lucky for holding on and winning that game last night. I still think the Phillies go on and win this series. I want to talk about Thursday night football for a couple of minutes as well. The Jags won 34 to 24 last night. And if you went on Twitter during this game, or maybe you were talking to some friends in a group chat, I was doing both because I have no life. And the, the comments, the commentary, very similar, both on Twitter and in my group chat, talking with some of my buddies who really likes football. The overlying theme of last night's game was the Saints are trying to give the Jags this game and the Jags won't take it. Derek Carr keeps turning the ball over. The Saints keep doing dumb things. They miss a field goal. They're discombobulated. Their offense is no good. They're dropping touchdowns. Foster Murrow dropped a game-tying touchdown in the end zone in the last couple seconds of the game. It was either on second down or third. I think it might have been on third down. The Saints were trying to give the Jags this game, and the Jags just would not take it. And they eventually did. They caught a bomb. Christian Kirk caught a bomb and, and took it to the end zone. Derek Carr's no good. We've known that for a long time. Their offense is basically checking the ball down to Alvin Kamara, who is basically washed. Last night was more about Trevor Lawrence and the Jags 
for me. And it made me think of a conversation that we had earlier this week on my show, the Wisco Sports Show at 4 o'clock. This would have been on Tuesday when we were reacting to Cowboys Chargers and we were reacting to Dak Prescott versus Justin Herbert. We, we hold these quarterbacks to a crazy high standard. Dak Prescott is under a microscope. And I thought the comments from Mike McCarthy this week, um, was he on, who, what radio interview did he do? Did he do Mad Dog? Um, he, he did some radio interview this week. It was a national radio show. Micah Parsons said very similar things on his podcast that he does by himself. So Dak Prescott is under the microscope in ways that no other quarterbacks in this league are. Because he's the Cowboys quarterback, because he got paid a bunch of money, People pile on him, and they're very critical of him. They hold him to a very high standard. Now, when you make a lot of money, you're going to be held to a high standard. When you play for the Cowboys, you're going to be held to a high standard. But I don't think Dak Prescott is that much different from fill-in-the-blank quarterback. Jared Goff, Brock Purdy. He certainly didn't look that much better or worse than Trevor Lawrence last night, although I believe Trevor Lawrence would be a better quarterback. Or Derek Carr. Or, um, as I scroll down the league, I said Jared Goff. He's not that different from Geno Smith, in my opinion. He's not that crazy different from a quarterback like Tua. I think other than Patrick Mahomes, this league is filled with a lot of quarterbacks that are good, but not perfect. I think there's one elite, no doubt quarterback in this league, and it's Patrick Mahomes. Whereas when I was younger, you know, go back 10 years, go back 15 years, it felt like Brady Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Breeze, they were all very similar. And now looking back, we think, well, Tom Brady was head and shoulder. Tom Brady's the GOAT. Yeah, but it never felt like that in the moment. Tom Brady felt like a very similar quarterback to Rodgers, to Manning, to Breeze, to some of the other great quarterbacks of that era. Tom Brady just also happened to be on the best team. So take the teams out of it and pound for pound, compare Rodgers, Brady, Manning, Breeze. They were all pretty darn similar. It's not like Brady was on a tier of his own and everyone else is fighting for a distant second place. You know what I mean? The league right now is a little bit different. I think Mahomes is head and shoulders better than everyone else. I don't think it's close at all. And the quarterbacks in that next tier are all very good, but they all have different strengths, and they all have different weaknesses. Right? Like, for example, Josh Allen is unbelievable. He's physically dominant, massive arm, can make throws that I've seen very few quarterbacks make, can extend a play in ways that I've seen very few quarterbacks extend the play, but he's also liable to have a game every couple of weeks where he looks like the worst quarterback you've ever seen. (laughs) You know what I mean? He once threw a pass backwards behind his head in a playoff game. That's a problem. That's an issue. Josh Allen physically has the tools to be the most dominant quarterback in the league. His weakness is every once in a while he turns his brain off, right? A quarterback like Lamar Jackson, one of the most dangerous running quarterbacks we've ever seen in football, dynamic, unstoppable in short yardage situations. His weakness is he's not always the best thrower of the football. Okay. Jared Goff. Jared Goff, when he's on, he's clicking in his offense and he's hitting his reads and he's hitting the spots and then he's delivering the ball on time and on target. He's as good as anyone. If the offensive line is protecting Jared Goff, and the guys are getting open, and everything in the offense is in sync, Jared Goff might as well be the best quarterback in football. Because he'll sit back there, and he'll slice and dice you up. Unbelievable, very very pretty, very polished thrower of the football. Not the most physically gifted running around the pocket, not the most physically gifted playing off script. You can maybe rattle him a little bit, although I think he's come a long way since 2018 in the Super Bowl when Belichick basically turned him into a pumpkin. 
right? The last time the Patriots were were basically good and competitive, that Super Bowl year in 2018 when they just shut down McVay, they held him to 10 points. Jared Goff can be unbelievable unless you get him rattled and unless you ask him to do too much, that's his weakness, right? Joe Burrow, I think, is very, very good. He's an interesting case study. I don't know that he has crazy strengths and crazy weaknesses. I just think he's a little bit more physically limited, right? But there's something, his strength is is mental. His strength is in his leadership and in his mentality and in his attitude. Um, all of these quarterbacks in tier two behind Mahomes have different strengths and different weaknesses. And last night, Trevor Lawrence, another good example. Trevor Lawrence can struggle with decision-making sometimes. He'll throw some interceptions. Last night, he was actually really impressive with his leg or legs. His leg was injured. His knee was banged up. He had a knee brace on. I say all that to say this. This has been my theme when talking about the NFL and talking about quarterbacks this week. Mahomes is his own deal. Take Mahomes out of it. I don't know that we've ever seen a point in time in the NFL where quarterbacks had such diverse sets of strengths and such diverse sets of weaknesses. So many different types of characters and different brands of quarterbacks playing, and they all have different offensive coordinators that are playing to their strengths and weaknesses, building different offenses around them. Because in today's day and age in 2023, teams have realized we don't need the perfect quarterback. We just need a quarterback that we can build around. We can build the boat around a running quarterback. We can build the boat around a polished passing, maybe non-mobile quarterback like Jared Goff. We can build the boat around Josh Allen. We just need to make sure we have the right infrastructure to insulate him from his own mistakes and his own decision-making, right? We can build the boat around Sam Howell. The Raiders with Jimmy G, although I don't think that's going particularly well. Obviously, there's all of these teams that are building around limited quarterbacks in some way. All these quarterbacks have limitations and have weaknesses. And last night was, was no outlier. I think the more that I watch football this year, I, you ask me who the second best quarterback in football is. I'm like, I don't know. Who, who's next behind Patrick Mahomes? I have no idea. Depends on the week. And that, that's cool. That's exciting. You, you can watch Tua one week score 70, and then you can watch Josh Allen the next week score 40 and beat up on the, on the Dolphins like they did a couple weeks ago in Buffalo. Right? All of these quarterbacks are good at different things. They're all bad at different things, and it makes for this really, really fun mix. Don't you think? Today's NFL, I also think it makes offensive coordinators more important than ever, and maybe we can talk about that coming up next, but, you know, I thought this on Monday night. It's like, eh, Dak Prescott, not that different from Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's got strengths and weaknesses, so does Dak Prescott. Watching last night, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, I really like the upside. I really like what he could be one day. I, I really like what he is right now, but he's not perfect either. Patrick Mahomes is perfect, and everyone else is kind of fighting around in the mud for second best, a distant second best in the NFL. 608-321-1670. If you'd like to call the show, I would love to have you today. Plenty of time. Uh, We don't have a guest until 11. That's when Perry Goldstein packs what she said podcast. will join the show. Always look forward to getting a chance to chat with her. Ty Dunn, Go Long TD, Mike Clemens, Ryan Glassbeagle, all set to join us before two o'clock as well. It's the Bill Michaels Show, and we're back in three minutes. This is the Bill Michaels Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, Team Pella, listen up. Thanks, Jan Kuhn. Customers love our products with limited lifetime warranties. Check out these big plays. 
incredible innovations like blinds and shades between the glass. No interference on that play, coach. And stylish windows with hidden screens that make game days a breeze. Can it get any better? It can. With monthly payments as low as $19 per window, $75 per patio door, and a free quote at PellaWI.com. Let's go. Whether you're looking to replace older damaged windows and doors or just wanting to revamp the look of your home, Pella offers a wide range of styles and materials to match your home's unique design. Hurry, take advantage of monthly payments as low as $19 per window and $75 per patio door at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Get your free quote today at PellaWI.com. 6.99 APR for 120 months. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offers at michaels show welcome back how we looking grant bills in for bill michaels today he'll be back on monday and we'll finally be able to react to a sunday packer game the schedule has been so bizarre it feels like intrigue and excitement about this packers team is down a little bit and i i don't think that's because they're two and three i think excitement is down a little bit because they played like two times in the last month and the last two games in our memory Lions game, they got rocked, and the Raiders game, which is really frustrating. And I saw our friend Pete Bukowski earlier this week point out, it's like if we would have started the season with the Lions game and then had the Bears and the Falcons, and then the Saints, and then we mix in the Raiders, still two and three, the results are all still the same, but different sequencing. I think that would impact the way we feel and the attitude around this team. I don't think people are down on this team, and I don't think they're they're losing interest. It's just the schedule has done the Packers no favors in terms of fan interest. I also think, weirdly, the schedule has been detrimental to the Packers. I think this is a young team. They need reps. They need to play. Now, the bye is nice because it allows them to get Aaron Jones healthy and maybe get Eric Stokes back, although I don't think at any point this team has been an Eric Stokes away from a win against the Falcons or a win against the Raiders. This team, by and large, I don't think they need the bye. I think they need reps. I think they needed to play the Lions and then immediately get back on the horse and then play the Raiders and immediately get back on the horse because it's a young team and they need reps and they need to develop. And I think all this time off, I I think, weirdly, it might be a bad thing. Uh, And, of course, you can get into a rest versus rust debate. That's a tale as old as time. And, of course, we're never going to be right or wrong. I I just think the way that this team is wired and the way that their injuries are like, yeah, we got Aaron Jones back, but David Bakhtiari ain't coming back. We'd have six bye weeks in a row. That's still not going to bring David Bakhtiari back. I think this team needs to play. So getting back on the field on Sunday and then getting back into the once-a-week routine will be better for fan interest and fan excitement. I think it's also going to be better for this team. 608-321-1670. Got a couple callers to get to. Let's start with Denny and Holman. Denny, welcome to the program, The Bill Michaels Show. Thank you very much, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, of course. What's going on today? How are you? I Great. I believe totally what you said that they need to get back on the horse, get out there, whether it's good, bad, or indifference. Um, they need to see what's going on with the team itself. You know, I mean, it's great to get some guys back from injury and stuff, you know, that'll help. But, you know, we've got a sour taste in our mouth from the last two games that they played, you know, and we've had an extra two weeks to kind of stew over it, you know, and my opinion is if they really, really, play bad on Sunday do they switch quarterbacks no why do you think well why do you think they would do that well what's the benefit in that 
I I don't know, but if if you could say it's quarterback related, say he throws three picks, fumbles the ball, I mean, do you what what day and time do you say, okay, well, this isn't working right now. For now, let's just see what our backup is. Well, I don't know that they need to see what Sean Clifford is. Like, I feel like I got a pretty good idea. Remember when when Mike Zimmer got asked a couple years ago, it's like, why don't you give Kellen Mond a look? And he said, I see him every day in practice. I, I see I see plenty of Kellen Mond. I feel like it's that's we what, we kind of like know what what Sean Clifford is, yeah. don't you think, Denny? That's like what Belichick said. I know. I'm just trying to get something to motivate, something to give us, you sure. know, something that's a point to you know, sure. and. Then I wanted to comment on the Badgers and stuff. You know, yeah. we've got the Badgers from past, you know, they're big road grader linemen and stuff. I think the road graders turned into push lawnmowers this year because they're, they're getting pushed all over the place. Yeah, battery you know? battery operated push, not the old classic lawn lawn boy with mixed gas. Not, not even that kind of push right. lawnmower. This is some Ryobi Home Depot battery powered right. lawnmower. Right. And, you know, it's just frustrating because, you know, I was sitting back thinking, oh, great. This Luke Fickle air is going to be so awesome. You know, we're just going to throw the ball after touchdown after touchdown, run the ball in, touchdown after touchdown, and it's been anything but that, you know. And I, and I and still I, I still think the Luke Fickle era will be great. We were talking a little bit about Paul Christ and Brett Bielema. And right. I, like I, I, right. Luke Fickle's got so much runway in front of him. It's just gotten off to a little bit of a, a flat start. A little bumpy start. But, you know, and, two, we got to sit and see when his players come in that he recruited, too. You know, that's another thing we're playing off of what Chris recruited yet, you know. I agree, I agree with that to an extent. Paul Chris's last couple recruiting classes were really good. Like he recorded, recruited, recorded, recruited a lot of good players. And then Luke Fickle also got a ton of transfers in. Like they got a lot right. of skill position transfers. So he's got he's got a mix of his guys and Paul Chris recruits. But it's not like Paul Chris was turning in these turd recruiting classes either. So I get what you're saying there, but I, I think that's only true to some degree. And if the Badger quarterback, if Patton struggles tomorrow. Will we see the quarterback, the other quarterback from Wisconsin, come in? Miles Burkett, the one from Franklin. Yeah, that's what people are going to ask people for. People are talking about Burkett. You know, there's. I mean, if you look at the different shows and stuff like that, I've been mm-hmm. following the blogs and that. They're asking for Burkett. You know, um, so who knows, right? I mean, he might be the one too. We don't know who we could have two quarterback switches this weekend, Danny. Who knows if things go south what? and if things go poorly? You never know. Let's put let's put all right, the backups right. in. Get a look at them. <laughs> and then one more question for you. Yeah. Do you feel that Gudikis job is on the line if if Love does not perform this year the way he should? So that's a great question. A good big picture question. I'm going to talk about that throughout today, Denny. I'm going to let you go. I got to get to Mike who's okay. waiting on hold patiently. You have an awesome Friday. Okay. Maybe we'll talk tonight on my show. Who knows? Okay. We will. Yeah. Take care, bud. Appreciate Thanks. you, Denny. That's Denny and Holman. Listening on our lacrosse affiliate WKTY. Denny's just, he wants asses on the line this weekend. If Jordan Love doesn't play good, let's see Sean Clifford. If Braden Locke doesn't play good, let's see Miles Burkett, which is what I told Zach. I had him on my show on Monday night, I think. I said, Zach, if this weekend doesn't go well, Braden Locke doesn't impress. You know what people are going to ask for, right? They're going to want to see the guys behind him. No, not just the guys behind him. Not just Nick Evers. Uh, no, specifically Miles Burkett, the Franklin kid. That's who people are going to want to see. Um, look, Denny, I, I don't... I, the Badger quarterback situation, th- that's separate. I don't think it makes any sort of sense for Sean Clifford to play at all this year. 
get Jordan Love all the reps, give him all the games. And if he sucks, okay, at the end of the year, you know. And if he looks good, okay, we know. And if he looks middle of the road, okay. But we want all the data. We want all of the all of the games, all the snaps possible to try to draw that conclusion. And that's what Eric Eager told Bill yesterday. It's like the, the nightmare that the Packers need to avoid is getting to the end of the season and not knowing whether or not Jordan Love is the guy. And I think putting Sean Clifford in at any point this year uh, leaves a lot more questions than answers about the position of quarterback moving forward for the Packers. On the Badgers really quickly before we get to Mike, I, I like what Zach told us earlier this week when he joined my show and he said the same thing on Temple and Heilprin last night. Like, this is not your classic Wisconsin Badgers offense. Denny, you said they don't have road graders. They don't have big pancake offensive linemen. Well, they're running the air raid. This is a different type of offense, a different type of team. The Badgers need to lean into that. Phil Longo needs to lean into that. You've chosen to go down this path. You've chosen to bring in a different offense, a completely different school of thought. So go all the way into it. Don't flirt with being an air raid team until it's third and one and then bring in extra tight ends and jumbo personnel. You're not that team anymore. You're not built to be that team. You're not wired or coached to be that team. You're an air raid team. So lean all the way into it for better or worse and figure it out as the season goes along. Can't on third and one be like, okay, well now we're going to go back to the Paul Chris. We're going to line up in the power eye like Menominee Mustang football, Joe Labuda dominating the Big Rivers Conference. Speaking of up there in the Chippewa Valley, let's talk to someone from the Chippewa Valley. Clemhead Mike up in Chippewa Falls, 608-321-1670. Welcome to the program, the Bill Michaels Show, Mike. What's up? Hey, medium unit. How you doing? Medium unit. I'm doing good today. We have a lot to talk about, a couple great guests on the docket, so it's going to be a fun show. Yeah. The show just started. You've already covered a whole bunch of topics. Um, yeah, when Danny from Holman said, uh, turning road graders into a bunch of push, push mores, I, I actually laughed out loud, and then it was pretty good. And then you brought up the Ryobi Electric. I laughed again. That's pretty there's, good. There's too many but, kids uh, these days. Who, who, when they take over lawn mowing duty, you know, in, in fifth or sixth grade, when a teenage boy takes over lawn mowing, they're all self-propelled these days. When I learned to mow the lawn back in the day, there was no self-propelled mowers. I was pushing it myself. And and that's how the world should work, Mike. Yeah, well, I started put, uh, lawn mowing back in the, actually in the late 60s. I, we actually had a riding lawnmower, so I was pretty lucky. Really? But, um, <laughs> you were lucky. A little five-horse, little five-horse, little putt-putt. But, um yeah, uh, last night's game, I watched Derek Carr. He was really animated. His guys were running wrong patterns. They were dropping passes. The, the box score will show that he had a bad game. I said, yeah, his tight end dropped a pass in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That 87, I watched him block. He he didn't even, on a sweep, he didn't even block. He just hit a guy and just bounced off and let him make the tackle. He sucks. And then, you know, he had, he was yelling at guys that were running the wrong pattern, and it's just guys that were running the wrong pattern came up to the sideline, literally, you could see him apologizing. He was raging. He was so angry, and I he had every right to be. I mean, he looks, everybody says, oh, Derek Carr sucks, but, you know, he actually, he played a pretty good game. It's just he had no support. I was, I really felt bad for him. <laughs> the poor guy was just suffering out there. And, um yeah, their and, offense and just hard. doesn't look like it makes a lot of sense, which is dumb because they gave Derek Carr all this money. He got a thirty million dollars signing bonus this year, the second he arrived in New Orleans. They traded up to get Olave. They brought back you know Jimmy Graham, which is more of a punchline than anything. But they've invested capital into this offense, and it yep. it looks like they just don't really know what they're doing. Like it doesn't look yeah. cohesive. Guys aren't on the same page. Alvin Kamara is somehow a centerpiece, even though he's really getting up there in terms of running back years and, and wear and tear. It just, it doesn't look cohesive at all. And that's not what you'd expect or, or not what you'd want to see from a team that invested a lot in the offense this off season. 
Well, you're right. And running running back years are like dog years. You know, every dog year, yeah. seven human years. Yeah, dog <laughs> running back years, you're right. Unless you're Adrian Peterson, but um, yeah. And then as far as the other way, says let's try let's try Sean Clifford. Let's try Sean Clifford. No, you don't you don't destroy uh, Jordan Love's confidence by bringing in a guy who's never played in the NFL before. Um, no, no. Well, I'm <laughs> glad you let's, said let's, it. Let's, I didn't want to shoot down Denny and Holman's dreams of getting to look at some of these other quarterbacks. I just, look, we knew, Mike, we knew this year. You call my show all the time. We knew coming into this year, the expectation was not to necessarily make the playoffs or to chase a championship. Right. Just figure out what we have, kind of start the foundation for the future. We all knew this. We talked about it for months, and so many Packers fans were okay with it, Mike. We're like, yes, we can rebuild. It's fine. We're coming up short in the playoffs. We can start over. Let's reset expectations. Now we're through five weeks, and Packers fans are freaking out. It's like, no, 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 no. We can't beat it. We knew we knew this was expected, Mike, and now Packers fans are acting surprised they've lost a couple of games. You and I have not freaked out. We knew it was a growing year. We knew you don't there'd be a lot out. of growing pains. And, uh, yeah, you don't, you don't yank out the quarterback right now and uh, – all of a sudden, he's all he's he's going to be upset. He's going to be angry, and he said, "Why are they taking me out? Am I that bad?" No, it's, we knew this was going to happen. And so many guys in Bill Michael's live stream were saying, "We're going to the Super Bowl this year." Jordan loves our third Hall of Famer. Um, blah blah. You know, we we're the youngest team in the NFL. We're gonna we're gonna outrace everybody. And no, it doesn't work that way. The youngest team in the NFL hasn't learned, and that's what we're doing. So, still a lot to like. Still a lot of things I'm feeling positive about, Mike. Maybe we can talk about some of those yeah. things coming up next. As Bill would say, I am woefully late for a break. Okay. i got to get to a break, Mike. You are. Okay, thanks, Grant. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. Have a good day. Maybe we'll talk on my show later tonight. That's Clemhead Mike up with Chippewa Falls. W-A-Y-Y, Sports Talk 105.1, our fine affiliate up in the Chippewa Valley. We talked to Dan Casper last week, morning show up there. Let's take a five-minute break. We'll come back. Keep talking about the Packers. I know they've lost some games, but there's still a lot that I'm excited about. Maybe we can talk about some optimistic things about this two and three Packers team. We'll do that next. The Bill Michaels Show back in five minutes. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Happy to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. How are we looking today? A lot of good guests coming up. Perry Goldstein, longtime friend and contributor to my show, The Wisco Sports Show. She's going to join us in just a few minutes. She hosts the Packs What She Said podcast with Maggie Loney. She's on Packaday. She's part of uh, Team Andy Herman, who joins the show all the time. So I'm excited to talk to Perry here in a couple minutes. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post. Mike Clemens in the final hour of the show. And Ty Dunn, go long. A longtime friend of Bill and, and friend of the network as well. All to join us in the next couple of hours. So we have a lot to get to. We got Bucks news. We got plenty to talk about with the Packers, with their upcoming matchup against the Broncos. A lot of stakes. I don't want to say it's a must-win game. Is it a must-look good? Is it a can't-lose? I don't know. But we really need to see something from our Packers this weekend, however you want to spin it. Let's talk to Richard and Rhinelander really quickly. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the program, The Bill Michaels Show. What's up, Richard? Well, I was just calling uh, earlier this year when you were on, when Bill was gone, I had called in and... The question was about Jordan Love, and I had indicated that I thought that maybe if uh, Lafleur had an offense, which was mostly things that Jordan Love could do, that they'd probably be okay. But if uh, he wanted to use his own offense, that there might be problems. And so, well, my question for you is: Do you think that 
Lafleur is running his offense, or do you think he's running an, his offense, uh, which has changed a little bit to incorporate those things which uh, Jordan Love can do? Well, and Richard, I appreciate the call, and this is a great question. I think Matt Lafleur is running a dumbed-down version of his offense. I mean, things exactly didn't look opened up on Monday night against the Raiders. You know what I mean? A lot of screens, a lot of behind-the-line-of-scrimmage stuff, and that's against a defense and a secondary. It's not good. Like, the Raiders can't cover. They're, they're bottom of the league in all passing defense metrics. It's not a good passing defense, and Matt LaFleur still really didn't seem too comfortable letting Jordan Love uh, point, aim, and fire from the pocket. So I, I think part of this offense has definitely been dumbed down. But another thing, Richard, and I've said this throughout the year, the Matt LaFleur offense, quote-unquote, needs to be the offense that fits this team. Right? I'm a big players, not plays guy. I like that mantra. I always see Aaron Nagler tweeting it, and I think it's it's a good ideology for coaches. Matt LaFleur, forget what your offense is. Right? Matt LaFleur has probably come up through the ranks of, of coaching professional football and and coordinating offense for a long time and thought, man, if I if I ever get to run my own offense or if I ever get to coach my own team, this is what I want the offense to look like. Okay. Forget about that for a sec. Forget about the, the hopes and dreams and aspirations of Matt LaFleur. Forget everything that you've always thought about what your offense would be one day and look at this team right now, this season, this week against the Broncos, right? What is Christian Watson capable of executing? What is Romeo Dobbs capable of executing? What is Jaden Reed capable of executing? Right, you want to call plays that are manageable. And, and he talked this week about simplifying some things, making the offense easier for some of these younger skilled position players, because this is as young of a skilled position group as we've seen in the NFL since the 99 expansion Browns. That's something Peter Bukowski was talking about this week. And a half tip to Peter for finding that information. I don't know where he found it, but he did. This is a historically young group of skill position players. So whatever Matt LaFleur thinks his offense is, the Matt LaFleur offense, well, the offense that's needed this year might be different than what they needed from Rodgers last year or what they needed from Rodgers and Devontae Adams the year before. It's probably going to be different from what they need next year. If Jordan Love is here with a lot of these same skill position players, right? Every year is different. So what Matt LaFleur needs to do is sit down with Adam Stenovich and sit down with all of his offense assist, offensive assistants and consider his O-line, consider his young skill position groups and say, Okay, what does Jaden Reed do well? What does Christian Watson do well? What does Romeo Dobbs do well? We're going to build the boat around that. That's the Matt LaFleur offense this year. You know what I mean? That's the Matt, the Matt LaFleur offense. The Matt LaFleur offense needs to be an offense designed to get Jaden Reed some layups, get Romeo Dobbs some layups, get him targets. There's no reason that Patrick Taylor should be getting more targets than Romeo Dobbs, but that was the case against the Raiders. What does Christian Watson do well? What does he not do well? Okay, well, let's build the offense around that. I said before the season started, and I talked about it on my show, I remember taking some calls. We talked about this for, I don't know, a half hour at the time or, or whatever. This year is an opportunity. Some people might see oh, this is a step back for the Packers. This is going to be a painful growing year. Think of this year as an opportunity. If you've ever seen Mad Men, this is the comparison that I used when we talked about this the first time. In Mad Men, the very first episode, they're in a meeting with cigarette uh, uh, businessmen. Lucky Strike, right? And they're putting together an advertising campaign for Lucky Strike. And this would have been in, I think, the late 50s at the beginning of Mad Men. And there was just new legislation passed by the government. You cannot claim that your cigarettes are healthier or safer than any other brand. You can't make claims based on health. 
And all the cigarette guys are like, this is a catastrophe. We put all this R&D and this research into creating a safer cigarette, which of course now we know, you know, years later is hogwash. But we put all this time and energy and R&D into cigarettes and being able to say that they're safe. And now we can't do that anymore. And Don Draper set up at the end of the, at the end of the meeting, stands up and said, you guys can't claim that your cigarettes are safer, but neither can anyone else. Like we're all starting from ground zero. This isn't a problem. This is the greatest advertising opportunity that you guys have ever had. We can say whatever we want. And if you've seen the, the opening scene of Mad Men, it's on YouTube. You can go watch it when they're meeting with the Lucky Strike. Don's like, hey, start from scratch. How do you, how do you make your cigarettes? And he talks about the process of growing the tobacco and, and drying it and toasting it. He says, stop right there. It's toasted. There you go. That's your, that's your advertisement. And with Matt LaFleur, it's like, well, we don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. We don't have David Bakhtiari. We don't have Devontae Adams. Okay, let's start at the very, start at, at, at scratch. Start at ground zero. Okay, we have Jaden Reed. Well, what does he do? Well, he's nifty over the middle. There you go. Let's, let's, that's the offense then. That's what we do with Jaden Reed. What does Christian Watson do well? Well, he's fast, but maybe not sure-handed. Uh, there we go. Stop right there. Okay? How can we get him the ball with space to run, space to make plays with his legs? That's the offense. Forget the Matt LaFleur offense. Forget what Matt LaFleur has been cooking up in his head for years and years and years. Well, if I ever get an offense and I ever get a chance to coach my own team, I want to do this, that, the other thing. Okay, but this, that, and the other thing might not fit Jordan Love, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson at this moment in time. Next year, it'd be different. The year after, it'd be different. Last year, it was different. The year before last year was different because personnel is always changing. Quarterback is changing. Injuries change things. So the Matt LaFleur offense... I think Matt LaFleur's offense changes by personnel. It should change year to year as any good offensive coordinator or as any coach should do with their offense. Um, I think it's dumb when coaches say, this is my system, we're going to run my offense, my plays, and you guys are either going to get it or you're going to get out of the way. That can't be the Packers' reality this year. They're trying to turn over a new stone, skill position players. They're trying to start something brand new with wide receivers and with tight ends. And it would be dumb to try to pigeonhole these guys into doing things that they're not good at or they're not capable of doing yet. Don't ask these players to do something they're not ready to do. So simplify it down. Maybe shrink the play calls. Maybe shrink the playbook a little bit and really focus on getting these guys in positions to succeed. That's really what a coach's job is. Putting players in the best position to succeed. Showcasing your skills of your best players. That's the job of a head coach or a play caller. And Matt LaFleur, forget the Matt LaFleur offense. Look at the team you have. Focus on players, not plays. That makes sense? Hour number one of the Bill Michaels Show, done. Ty Dunn, Ryan Glassbeagle, Mike Clemens, all coming up in the next few hours. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, coming up in two minutes. Stick around. A lot more of the Bill Michaels Show coming up next. Welcome back. Happy to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. How are we looking today? Got a lot of good guests coming up. Perry Goldstein, longtime friend and contributor to my show, the Wisco Sports Show. She's going to join us in just a few minutes. She hosts the Packs What She Said podcast with Maggie Loney. She's on Pack-A-Day. She's part of uh, Team Andy Herman, who joins the show all the time. So I'm excited to talk to Perry here in a couple minutes. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post. Mike Clemens in the final hour of the show. And Ty Dunn, go long. A longtime friend of Bill and friend of the network as well, all to join us in the next couple of hours. So we have a lot to get to. 
We got Bucks news. We got plenty to talk about with the Packers, with their upcoming matchup against the Broncos. A lot of stakes. I don't want to say it's a must-win game. Is it a must-look good? Is it a can't-lose? I don't know. But we really need to see something from our Packers this weekend, however you want to spin it. Let's talk to Richard and Rhinelander really quickly. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the program, The Bill Michaels Show. What's up, Richard? Well, I was just calling uh, earlier this year when you were on, when Bill was gone, I had called in and the question was about Jordan Love. And I had indicated that I thought that maybe if uh, LeFleur had an offense, which was mostly things that Jordan Love could do, that they'd probably be okay. But if uh, he wanted to use his own offense, that there might be problems. And so... But my question for you is, do you think that uh, LeFleur is running his offense, or do you think he's running his offense, uh, which has changed a little bit to incorporate those things which uh, Jordan Love can do? Well, and Richard, I appreciate the call, and this is a great question. I think Matt LeFleur is running a dumbed-down version of his offense. Things exactly didn't look opened up on Monday night against the Raiders. You know what I mean? A lot of screens, a lot of behind-the-line-of-scrimmage stuff, and that's against a defense and a secondary. It's not good. Like the Raiders can't cover. They're, they're bottom of the league in all passing defense metrics. It's not a good passing defense, and Matt LaFleur still really didn't seem too comfortable letting Jordan Love uh, point, aim, and fire from the pocket. So I, I think part of this offense has definitely been dumbed down. But another thing, Richard, and I've said this, throughout the year, the Matt LaFleur offense, quote-unquote, needs to be the offense that fits this team. Right? I'm a big players, not plays guy. I like that mantra. I always see Aaron Nagler tweeting it, and I think it's, it, it's a good ideology for coaches. Matt LaFleur, forget what your offense is. Right? Matt LaFleur has probably come up through the ranks of, of coaching professional football and, and coordinating offense for a long time and thought, man, if I, if I ever get to run my own offense, or if I ever get to coach my own team, this is what I want the offense to look like. Okay. Forget about that for a sec. Forget about the the hopes and dreams and aspirations of Matt LaFleur. Forget everything that you've always thought about what your offense would be one day, and look at this team right now, this season, this week against the Broncos, right? What is Christian Watson capable of executing? What is Romeo Dobbs capable of executing? What is Jaden Reed capable of executing? You want to call plays that are manageable. And, and he talked this week about simplifying some things, making the offense easier for some of these younger skilled position players because this is as young of a skilled position group as we've seen in the NFL since the 99 expansion. Browns, that's something Peter Bukowski was talking about this week. And a half tip to Peter for finding that information. I don't know where he found it, but he did. This is a historically young group of skilled position players. So whatever Matt LaFleur thinks his offense is, the Matt LaFleur offense, well, the offense that's needed this year might be different than what they needed from Rodgers last year or what they needed from Rodgers and Devontae Adams the year before. It's probably going to be different from what they need next year. If Jordan Love is here with a lot of these same skill position players, right? Every year is different. So what Matt LaFleur needs to do is sit down with Adam Stenovich and sit down with all of his offensive assistants and consider his O-line, consider his young skill position groups and say, okay, what does Jaden Reed do well? What does Christian Watson do well? What does Romeo Dobbs do well? We're going to build the boat around that. That's the Matt LaFleur offense this year. You know what I mean? That's the Matt, the Matt LaFleur offense. The Matt LaFleur offense needs to be an offense designed to get Jaden Reed some layups, get Romeo Dobbs some layups, get him targets. 
There's no reason that Patrick Taylor should be getting more targets than Romeo Dobbs, but that was the case against the Raiders. What does Christian Watson do well? What does he not do well? Okay, well, let's build the offense around that. I said before the season started, and I talked about it on my show, I remember taking some calls. We talked about this for, I don't know, a half hour at the time or, or whatever. This year is an opportunity. Some people might see this is a step back for the Packers. This is going to be a painful growing year. Think of this year as an opportunity. If you've ever seen Mad Men, this is the comparison that I used when we talked about this the first time. In Mad Men, the very first episode, they're in a meeting with cigarette uh, uh, businessmen, Lucky Strike, right? And they're putting together an advertising campaign for Lucky Strike. And this would have been in, I think, the late 50s at the beginning of Mad Men. And there was just new legislation passed by the government. You cannot claim that your cigarettes are healthier or safer than any other brand. You can't make claims based on health. And all the cigarette guys are like, this is a catastrophe. We put all this R&D and this research into creating a safer cigarette, which, of course, now we know, you know, years later is hogwash. But we put all this time and energy and R&D into cigarettes and being able to say that they're safe. And now we can't do that anymore. And Don Draper set up at the end of the at the end of the meeting, stands up and said, you guys can't claim that your cigarettes are safer, but neither can anyone else. Like we're all starting from ground zero. This isn't a problem. This is the greatest advertising opportunity that you guys have ever had. We can say whatever we want. And if you've seen the, the opening scene of Mad Men, it's on YouTube. You can go watch it when they're meeting with the Lucky Strike. Don's like, hey, start from scratch. How do you, how do you make your cigarettes? And he talks about the process of growing the tobacco and, and drying it and toasting it. He says, stop right there. It's toasted. There you go. That's your, that's your advertisement. And with Matt LaFleur, it's like, well, we don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. We don't have David Bakhtiari. We don't have Devontae Adams. Okay, let's start at the very, start at, at, at scratch. Start at ground zero. Okay, we have Jaden Reed. Well, what does he do? Well, he's nifty over the middle. There you go. Let's, let's, that's the offense then. That's what we do with Jaden Reed. What does Christian Watson do well? Well, he's fast, but maybe not sure-handed. Uh, there we go. Stop right there. Okay? How can we get him the ball with space to run, space to make plays with his legs? That's the offense. Forget the Matt LaFleur offense. Forget what Matt LaFleur has been cooking up in his head for years and years and years. Well, if I ever get an offense and I ever get a chance to coach my own team, I want to do this, that, the other thing. Okay, but this, that, and the other thing might not fit Jordan Love, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson at this moment in time. Next year, it'll be different. The year after, it'll be different. Last year, it was different. The year before last year was different because personnel is always changing. Quarterback is changing. Injuries change things. So the Matt LaFleur offense... I think Matt LaFleur's offense changes by personnel. It should change year to year as any good offensive coordinator or as any coach should do with their offense. Um, I think it's dumb when coaches say, this is my system, we're going to run my offense, my plays, and you guys are either going to get it or you're going to get out of the way. That can't be the Packers' reality this year. They're trying to turn over a new stone at skill position players. They're trying to start something brand new with wide receivers and with tight ends. And it would be dumb to try to pigeonhole these guys into doing things that they're not good at or they're not capable of doing yet. Don't ask these players to do something they're not ready to do. So simplify it down. Maybe shrink the play calls. Maybe shrink the playbook a little bit and really focus on getting these guys in positions to succeed. That's really what a coach's job is. Putting players in the best position to succeed. Showcasing your skills of your best players. That's the job of a head coach or a play caller. And Matt LaFleur, forget the Matt LaFleur offense. Look at the team you have. Focus on players, not plays. Does that make sense? Our number one of the Bill Michaels show, done. Ty Dunn, Ryan Glassbeagle, Mike Clemens, all coming up in the next few hours. Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast, coming up in two minutes. Stick around. A lot more of the Bill Michaels show coming up next. Next.